You're listening to Growing Matters, the podcast dedicated to providing you with all the information and research you need to improve your farm and business. Welcome back to Series 2 of the Haunt Innovation Podcast, Growing Matters. I'm your host, Farah. Today, we're talking all things taste and trade. With me in the studio, I have the Haunt Innovation International Marketing Manager, Julie Willis, and Research and Development Manager for Trade, Sam Turner. They're here to tell us everything we need to know about getting your produce onto the export market. Julie, Sam, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having us. So Sam, what can you tell us about the Taste Australia initiative? Yeah, so we have spent a lot of time, and Julie will elaborate on it further, uh, developing the Taste Australia brand, which is our branding position in market as Team Australia, basically. It's where we try and get a collaborative effort from Australian horticultural industries to put forth a cohesive message to the market that there is a brand that they can trust and they know what Taste Australia means. Taste Australia was established a few years ago. We did some research around what our position was in our export markets and we found it was very confusing because we had a couple of different programs in operation. One was now in season, one was Australia Fresh. So we brought that together and we unified and developed Taste Australia. So we have a solid reputation in the market for delivering high-end product. And we also go through a lot of uh, very rigorous food safety inspections all the way through our supply chain. So the Taste Australia brand really builds on that. We actually are very known for being this clean, green and safe But we have to go beyond that. That's not how we're going to be competitive in our markets. We're up against South Africa. We're up against, you know, USA. We're competing against other countries who already and also have that clean, green, safe position. So our Taste Australia takes us beyond that. We talk about our lifestyle. We talk about our climate. We talk about our country, our our beautiful environment and pristine conditions that we grow our product in and also around our people. We're multicultural and, you know, we bring this story together. Everyone knows about Australia. Everyone wants a little piece of Australia. So Taste Australia is bringing a little piece of Australia to them in our export markets. Yeah, and that's something that's often overlooked is that we as Australians are our own best advocates. So getting in market is a really important part of the Taste Australia brand, is putting Australians first. So how do we stay competitive in the global market? It's a difficult thing and it's very commodity and obviously market specific. But what we do need to understand is that we do have some challenges in producing and those are with a high cost market to produce. We have um, comparatively high currency rate. Uh, Freight rates are fairly high, even though we are in close proximity to market. Sometimes that freight rate can put us out. So what we need to be able to do is find our niche within those markets. And what we've identified through a lot of research is that we need to target that high-end, high-quality produce markets. And um, the research has shown that there is a market they're willing to pay for that quality. Uh, it's just about positioning our produce in front of those buyers with a, a compelling story that they would like to purchase, and as well as being um, what the consumer preference is. So we need to be able to produce quality fruits, vegetables, nuts, which may be different from our domestic standards and may be different um, varieties, different qualities. So we need to understand what the consumer is is purchasing and what they expect from Australian produce. So we just need to be a little bit more nuanced with how we market our produce. Oh, and sort of taking that to the next level, we've got a lot of countries that we export to. But if we look at China as just one example, it is a very big country. 
their consumer preferencing and their taste profiles are very different. So someone in the north might like a sweet and juicy piece of fruit, but in the south it might be a little bit more stringent or bitter or crunchy. So we really do need to understand how our what our consumers are looking for and how are they purchasing it because obviously, you know, digital online e-commerce is becoming an absolute phenomenal for us and we also need to understand where they are at in their in their life cycle. So we can't compare China to, for example, India. They're, they're all different in their um, in their levels of purchasing, their understanding, and their preferencing. So we you, you really need to take each individual market and analyze and do your research around the consumers. So what research do we have to support consumer preference in these markets? Again, it depends by industry and by markets. A lot of the exporting industries have uh, export plans, which outline the priority markets for their produce and the the place where they could potentially find that niche. Uh, The next layer to that is finding that consumer preference data. So we do have a number of different um, industry-specific consumer intelligence pieces that we are working on. But it's, it's developing that story and bringing growers and bringing industry along to that journey and letting them know what the outcomes of that research is and how they can exploit that opportunity. So uh, a lot of times you see growers are potentially, um, the, the export market isn't their primary market. And I think that's fairly uniform across a lot of the industries. There is an element of risk in growing a specific crop for a specific market, which may or may not eventuate. So there needs to be some understanding with what the consumer is purchasing and some trust that the market is there. And that just takes time to develop. And we've got a number of different research opportunities that we are sort of exploiting now to develop those markets and build those long-term trading partners, which is what we sorely need as Australian exporters, is that trust in market and that long-term uh, scope with business plans and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So what does that actually mean for growers looking to expand their business into the export market? Yeah, so it's obviously of interest to many growers at the moment. What we are recommending is that growers understand that the export market isn't going to be the silver bullet. It's They're not going to be able to extract extravagant profit margins. But what we do see is that it's a diversification of risk for a lot of businesses. So they're not solely reliant on the domestic market and all of the issues that that involves. So it is a way to expand their business without having to Uh, focus solely on the domestic market. Um, And the way we do that is there is a number of industry-facing projects that we work with. So vegetables is a great example through Ausveg. We have a really great trade development program where any vegetable grower can contact the trade development team and they can give them some really solid advice as to the realities of export because there are some nuances and it is a little bit more difficult than uh, supplying the domestic market. But um, there is opportunity there. We just need to be realistic about how we approach it. That's right, Sam. And I guess from the Taste Australia perspective, we actually do have programs that allow young or new coming exporters or those that are interested in getting into export to be part of our program. For example, we go to a major uh, trade show in Hong Kong every year called Asia Fruit Logistica. So we take about 200 delegates about representing 70 businesses, and we have a Taste Australia pavilion that's about 504 square metres. So that ranges from people who are very export capable and have been exporting for many, many years and are very confident and comfortable in that space to those who actually have never exported before and are interested in 
coming along to get a sense of what is this all about? It's an education program for them, but the outlay is not so extravagant for them. Like the, it is actually either supported through an industry project or a commercial player can come along and get the support from Taste Australia, which means that there's other growers that they can bounce off. There's networking events that we organise. There's insights tours that we do. We also rely on Austrade in country who also give us an update on what the state of play is, not only in Hong Kong, but we have other Austrade business development managers coming in from around Asia to be on site to help and support our, our growers at whatever level they're at. Sounds like a great initiative, Julie. Sam, perhaps you can tell us how our domestic growers who are producing only for the domestic market are benefiting from some of these initiatives. Yeah, so in producing and exporting Australian produce, what we find is that that produce is no longer on the domestic market and therefore reducing supply, which uh, increases demand and increases prices. So it's a bit of a situation where all boats rise in the tide, where the more we send offshore, the more the industry pie grows as a whole, rather than trying to cannibalise and compete with each other on the domestic market. So um, whilst uh, domestic growers may not directly benefit from our trade and export development works, they do see a benefit in that reduction in supply on the local domestic market. So it is important for the the demand as a whole that we look at the export markets in collaboration with the the domestic market. So it's it's not one or the other, it's it's kind of both, yeah. And how does that affect scale? So Scale is an interesting piece when you talk about the export landscape. Uh, a lot of times we t- deal with um, some Asian customers who do have requirements that supersede what individual Australian businesses can supply. Uh, and what we see there and what we, we try and develop through a lot of our programs is a, a collaborative approach within our grower networks to try and uh, to try and meet the demand that we have from the Asian markets. So what we uh, try and do is see some domestic uh, what would be seen as domestic competitors, try and group together to ensure supply and create that long-term trading partnership, which is what uh, is really demanded when you go overseas. Australia in the past had a bit of a reputation for being spot traders and sort of fair-weather friends in the in the export market. So we would come in when the price is good and then dip out when the domestic price is better. So what we try and develop is that long-term vision and sort of building business partnerships with our trading partners to, to ensure that there's sustainability across the board. Julie, I imagine the trade shows abroad help to, to aid that collaboration. Yeah, they certainly do. When we're in, in country and we do attend a number of different trade shows around the, around the world, I do notice that you know there there might be a buyer who's coming onto the onto the pavilion and looking for a, a, a mixed consignment, and you know you see a lot of the the growers um, and producers there who are collaborating together. So they might be a, a, a fruit producer, but they're working with a vegetable producer to sort of basically bring those uh, consignments together and to su- to to supply the product to to the buyer. Yeah, and we see it with our competitors too. So Chile is a great example of an industry that work together, particularly around freight and getting cheaper freight charges into market. They are a great example. Um, the Netherlands, they are a really great example as well. They are much more collaborative than our growing uh, industries are. So it's um, the way forward for Australian exporters because we just don't have the scale. So to collaborate is beneficial for everyone. So how does Hort Innovation through the Taste Australia program support growers in trade initiatives? 
our R&D efforts have a large component of building an export culture, which is what we, uh, that's how we try and develop that collaborative approach. How we do that is through a lot of that sort of soft skills, and it's about um, relationship development within industry, as well as with our trading partners. So a lot of what we do with the trade shows can be seen as um, this building an export culture. So it's not about the direct one-to-one interaction with buyers, uh, more so is about building the networks within our industries and within the, the export-interested growers, which I think is where a lot of our trade shows really benefit in a lot of ways that aren't uh, on the surface uh, a large deliverable of these programs, but it's it's a really important piece that we really need to focus on because it is where we will see the growth going forward. We also have a quite extensive retail program that we operate as well under Taste Australia. So we do marketing activities in uh, nine markets across eight industries. So we usually try and bring all our growers and suppliers together to promote a product in a, a number of retail stores. And do you get good engagement from industry for these events? The response from our industry around all of our Taste Australia events and activities has been overwhelming. They're very supportive of the program. Uh, They like to see an Australian position offshore and it's a holistic position. It's bringing all of our strengths together. It's showcasing Team Australia and it's um, something that we would really like to sort of continue to build. And I think that all the industry are very supportive of us growing in that space. Thank you, Julie. So just moving forward, I'm keen to know what the current trade opportunities are. Big question um, and very specific to industry and market. So uh, as I said before, all of or most of the exporting industries have an export plan and an export strategy, which highlights the key um, open Uh, opportunities for those key commodities. Uh, But what we do try and uh, promote for a lot of the emerging industries is that there are a number of markets that are open uh, right now that don't require any protocols. So those being Singapore, Hong Kong, Malaysia, and the UAE. Uh, Those markets are open right now. You can send a consignment tomorrow. So that's a really good way to get into the exporting market. However, those markets being open are often flooded with a lot of produce from all over the world. So it is a very competitive market set and it's not for the faint-hearted. It is fairly price sensitive. So it's not like some of these protocol markets where there are a lot of hurdles that growers have to jump through to get produce to market, which means that you do need to develop those relationships with your trading partners or come in at a lower price point, which is difficult for the reasons we mentioned earlier uh, for Australians to do. So those markets being open is great. Uh, However, they're not the be-all and end-all for Australian exporters. There is opportunities in some of those protocol markets which take a little bit more effort and a little bit more documentation, but are accessible and open depending on commodity and market access and all the rest of it. But um, it is there, there are a number of opportunities that are able to be exploited tomorrow. So Sam, how do we generate growth in industries that are already exporting? Yeah, so it's a lot of what we spoke about earlier. It's about developing that brand. The Team Australia brand is really important in those markets. It's how do we differentiate our produce from our competitive set. So we as Australians have, as Julie mentioned earlier, we've got the image of being clean, green, safe. That is 
being less of a selling point going forward as a lot of our competitors are also clean green safe. So we need to leverage that position in a really cohesive way to try and find those niches and build our our piece of the pie basically and and work out how we can um, best service our customers overseas. So it's much the same as the domestic market. It's about trying to find the consumers with the propensity to buy our product and putting our best quality product in front of them to purchase and putting our best foot forward basically. Yeah. And Sam, I think just to, uh, to add to that, it really is a long-term strategy and it's a long-term commitment. Getting in front of buyers is one thing. Building a relationship with them to eventually actually purchase the product can take years. And I, I overheard a conversation the other day when um, I was in market and there, there was an Australian producer talking to a potential buyer and the conversation went around, this is our fourth year in conversations and yet they have not had any trading activity done so far. So it is very much keep pushing, keep going and look at the the long-term objective rather than it's, it's never going to be a short-term win and that's never going to be anything that's going to be successful either for the industry or for an individual uh, grower or producer. Does Hort Innovation support growers with some of these conversations around trade and export? Yeah, we do. So we've got a number of, um, as I said before, we've got trade market development projects for a number of industries, which often act as a bit of a front door for consumers and buyers to sort of dip their toe in and try and find their producers within Australia. Um, a lot of the trade show work is a really great way for the buyers to meet the Australian growers. So that's a really great interaction. Face-to-face always works a little bit better. We do support through a number of market access initiatives that we're working through to try and open up some more markets. So that's a way that we support um, the development of the industries as a whole. Also, what we try and do is to get some of that consumer preference data down to the grower level in a way that's really actionable for them and in a way that helps them make business decisions based on some good facts and data. And Sam, I think also we've got a lot of uh, support outside of our own industry. So obviously the horticulture industry with industry bodies um, and our growers and hort innovation, we've got a lot of intel as well. But we also rely on state governments and federal governments, both here in Australia and overseas, and all our partners around um, you know, education and universities. We all play a, a role in supporting our growers to sort of achieve export excellence. And I I think that's a really key thing that we need to continue to do and to build on. We all need to come together and all support each other and utilise all this information and all the, the knowledge and experience that we've got within Australia to help promote our products offshore. Thanks, Julie. It sounds like quite a cohesive program. So in terms of uh, informing our growers on their steps moving forward, what can they do to ensure that they are export ready? Uh, again, there's, as Julie mentioned, there's a number of different avenues to export, I guess you'd say. Trade Start is a really great way to dip your toe in the water and see if you're ready. Um, the Austrade team are a great resource for Australian growers. We've got a number of export programs that will help you with your industry-specific needs and issues. So you can reach out to them directly. Uh, your industry representative bodies also hold a lot of information that could be helpful. Um, but what I would say is to be realistic exporter, you need to have a really good 
control over your cost of production and have a really good understanding of what scale you are able to achieve and what markets you are realistically likely to serve. So um, not every business is capable of exporting. Uh, However, there is opportunities to collaborate with some consolidators or other growers to to build that scale and to to, um, ensure that continuity of supply is really important. So whether you're a smaller business looking to take the step or a large business looking to develop an additional market for their produce, there's a little bit of a niche and a position for everyone in the scale. It's just working out where you fit and how realistically you can service that market. Sam, there's a common misconception that free trade agreements and market access is the same thing. Can you please explain the difference? Yeah, so free trade agreements are very different to market access. So market access reflects a technical acknowledgement of protocols for specific commodities to go to specific markets. So uh, a China blueberry application is very different from a China carrot application. So it's about what treatments Australian producers need to do to their produce to allow it to get to market. So things that affect market access are things like pests-free. So we've got a number of fruit flies that affect a number of different industries, which are uh, restricted with a lot of our trading partners. So we need to prove to the trading partner that we have implemented a change to the product or a, a, a treatment to the product, which means that there is no risk of that fruit fly transferring from Australia to the trading market. As an example, there's a number of different protocols that are very commodity and market specific. Uh, a free trade agreement talks more to uh, tariffs and um, it's more of an economic transactional Um, agreement between two governments around how we can develop the market from a tariff and economic standpoint. Um, Very different. One's much more technical and industry-oriented. One is more high-level, more broad-reaching. And one thing that a lot of people get uh, a little bit confused about is just because we have a free trade agreement does not mean we have universal market access. So it's something you need to be aware of. Uh, and if you would like to know whether your your product is able to be exported to your preferred market, there's a website called MICOR, M-I-C-O-R. Uh, it's a strength government website, which lists out all the protocols for all of your horticultural products. So uh, if you've got a question or a thought or an idea about sending your product to a market, jump on MICOR and have a look at whether you can actually get there. Great. Thanks, Sam. The other thing I think everyone should be aware of is market access is a very long-term process and it's very government to government driven. So once the industry and sort of Hort Innovation supports research and development to actually meet the protocols that are required by the the trading partner or the trading company or country, sorry, um, there is a, a, a very much a government to government negotiation that goes on that is beyond any growers or industries participation. And sometimes market access can take up to 10 to 12, maybe more years, depending on what the country you're going into and what the product you're trying to send and what we're trying to achieve. So it sounds like some of the key takeaways from this show is having really uh, realistic expectations around your ability to export, having collaborative conversations with industry partners, and also understanding what trade entails and that it is a long-term investment. Do either of you have any further contributions to make before we wrap up? I would just say that it is a great opportunity for growers to diversify their risk. Uh, Their export market is open and there are millions of consumers demanding Australian produce. So 
as I said at the start, the demand's there. There's not a demand problem. It's about getting our produce in front of those buyers uh, in a way that works for everyone. So I would say that there are opportunities. We just need to be realistic about it. And thanks, Sam. I think I agree. And if there is uh, someone out there, a business out there that is interested in, you know, getting into export or having those discussions, then please get in contact with Port Innovation or our, our trade team because we're only happy to help and we'd love anyone to come on board and be involved in our programs. Well, there you have it. I hope our listeners found today's segment as informative as I did. Everything you need to know about trade and export. Thank you once again, Julie and Sam, for joining us in the studio. Thanks, Thank Sarah. you. If you'd like more information about anything you've heard on today's show, links to the resources will be posted in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Growing Matters. Don't forget to visit us over at horticulture.com.au and join our free membership. Get instant access to the very latest information available to help your farm and business grow.